After being under rule of one wicked king after another, Judah had fallen away from God, and the house of the Lord had fallen into great disrepair. So neglected was it that the very word of God had become lost somewhere within. But King Josiah had a heart for God, and he ordered the repair of the temple. During restoration, workers found the book of the law. In our study today, Pastor Jim encourages each of us to check the condition of our own personal temple. Does it need restoration or to be rid of ungodly things? And most importantly, can God's Word be found within? Here's Jim with our message, Recipe for Revival. We're glad we're able to meet this morning, and if you would, please open your Bibles up to 2 Kings chapter 22. Yep, you heard me right. 2 Kings chapter 22. We'll get back into our study of Deuteronomy next week, but this week we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 22. And look at the history of a marvelous work God had done in Josiah, Josiah, king of Judah. And for historical context, we have, at this particular time, Israel and Judah were divided. The year is about uh, 622 A.D. And for context, you might remember Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, and his ministry uh, began in 627 A.D. And we know that God used Jeremiah and other prophets to foretell of the coming judgment against God's people. And that God was going to use King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon to come and be an instrument of God's judgment. And that we know that that certainly happened in 586 A.D. And so for us then, uh, we know Josiah lived during the time of just prior to the Babylonian captivity and in the midst of Jeremiah's ministry. And it's important for us to see, and this is my goal, that we see in the midst of the coming judgment... God works. And the title of this morning's message is this, Recipe for Revival. Recipe for Revival. Let's pray. Father, what a blessing it is to to be in your word. We pray now, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. We know, Lord, that any time we open up your word that uh, you speak to us. And we pray now, Lord, that our hearts would be bowed down, that we would be encouraged to you, Lord, from you. And, Lord, that you would speak to each one of us intentionally. Lord, every one of us need a word from you, and only you know where every one of us are with you, God. And so, Lord, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we get into the passage, I want to ask you this question. When you think of the word revival, what do you think of? I'll give you five seconds to think about it. Okay, time's up. I know that was a quick five seconds. But what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Let me give you the textbook definition of revival. It can be defined as follows. To bring back to life or consciousness a recitation, to impart new health, vigor, or spirit, to restore to use or activity of value. And when we think of revival, I've got to confess to you, the first thing that comes to my mind is that our country and the world needs revived. Amen? 
And then I think of the community we live in, our neighborhoods that we live in, our schools that our children go to, our families, our marriages, our churches. We all need to be revived, and those are good things to think about. But our focus this morning is on you and me individually. You and me individually. I want us to consider this today. Where does revival begin? It would be interesting, again, to hear your answers and what you think about revival and where you think revival begins. But let me share you this story. In the late, uh, or in the late 1800s, early 1900s, there was an evangelist named Gypsy Smith. He traveled the world twice preaching the gospel, and wherever Gypsy Smith would go, surely revival would break out. And one day, a delegation uh, came to him and said, we desperately need revival in our area. It's so dry and dead. What can we do to see revival happen? And Gypsy Smith replied in such a way, I will tell you exactly how revival will come. You go home, you lock yourself in your bedroom, get a piece of chalk and draw a circle around yourself, pray fervently and brokenly, that God will start a revival in that circle. Isn't that amazing? And it's true, isn't it? If we desire for revival to break out in our land, it begins with each one of us. Each one of us. And for, for all of us, uh, uh, you know, the Lord is, you know, we're wanting the Lord to bring a spiritual renewal. And isn't it interesting? You go into, uh, you know, Walmart or Target or, uh, other places, um, you know, in the mall or whatever. In January, every January, you see all this exercise equipment and dieting um, supplements and whatever, right? I, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. There's some truth in this that, you know, you and I are always in need of renewal. And we kind of think about this this morning. God is able to meet with us each and every day to bring a renewal to our lives each and every day. So we're going to look at this passage of, and see the great examples from Josiah and see a recipe for revival. Certainly not all the ingredients of revival, but we see in Josiah's life and what God did in his life. It's the same thing that God wants to do in your life and in my life. So let's pick up and verse 1 and 2 of Josiah, or excuse me, uh, 2 Kings chapter 22. So Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adai of Bozgat. And he did what was right in sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. It's always a delight to read when we read of a king of Judah doing right in sight of the Lord. It didn't happen very often. And we read this of Josiah. And uh, Josiah was one of the, you know, good kings, if you will, of Judah. Another one you might be uh, familiar with is Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was Josiah's great-great-grandfather. And remember, Hezekiah's son, Manasseh, that would have been Josiah's grandfather. And then Amon uh, was Josiah's uh, father. And both Manasseh and Amon were wicked. And um, we see in these first two verses several little details of Josiah's testimony. 
we see, and this is the first ingredient of the recipe for revival. Josiah had a heart for God. That's got to be number one, right? We have to have a heart for God, and we see that in Josiah. How do I know he had a heart for God? Well, at eight years old, he became king. And oh, by the way, Josiah's name means beloved by, or excuse me, healed by Jehovah. Jehovah will support. And we know at the age of 16, we knew that Josiah really began seeking the Lord. Well, how do I know that? Well, 2 Chronicles 34.3 says, For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molten images. Also, in 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 25, we read this. Now before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and all his soul and with all his might according to all the law of Moses, nor after him did any arise like him. So at the age of 16, Josiah began to seek the Lord. And what an encouragement for all the teenagers here today. You know, I just despise the thought when we hear teenagers and our children are the future of the church. That's not true. That's not truth. Those children who know the Lord Jesus Christ, they are the church, just as much as any of us are. And so at 16 years old, he begins seeking the Lord. And it's interesting to note back in, and I won't have this on the screen, but back in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 2, 300 years prior to this, it was prophesied that this man Josiah would come onto the scene and that he would bring great reform to, to Judah. And so we see Josiah had a heart for the Lord. And for you and I, we might recall what Jesus said. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your, uh, with all your mind. That's ingredient number one. And that's the main ingredient for revival in our hearts. Revival in our land. Why don't we see revival? Why do we see things the way they are today? Well, simply put, man doesn't have a heart for God. And for you and I as believers, followers of Jesus, we can get into that place where we don't have a heart for the Lord. Verse 3 says, Now it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan the scribe, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people, and let them deliver it into the hand of those doing the work, who are the overseers in the house of the Lord. Let them give it to those who are in the house of the Lord doing the work to repair the damages of the house to carpenters to builders and masons to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house however there need be no accounting made with them of the money delivered into their hand because they deal faithfully now the church treasurer might be in attendance today and he's probably squivering at that right but we see point number two or ingredient number two here the word damages here speaks of holes or gaps in the temple. 
And we see here the physical description interpreting the spiritual nature of Israel at this time, Judah, the decline of God's people. The temple was in, was in such bad shape, there was holes and there's gaps, and that all came, due, uh, came to pass because of the wickedness of the people, neglecting God. And it's interesting to me how the Old Testament temple reflects on from the New Testament perspective of you and I being followers of Jesus, being in Christ, how we are the temple of God. Not that we are God, but the truth is those who are in Christ, those who have made a profession of faith, believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, we are the temple of God. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? That's amazing. And the Bible says that when we believe upon the name of the Lord, when we've heard the gospel message, at that very moment of conversion, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. Praise God, because we need the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so we are the temple of God in that sense. And then what about 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5? You also, and this in context is speaking to believers, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You might be thinking, well, what kind of spiritual sacrifices do we offer up? Well, I'm glad you're thinking in those terms. What about Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5? It says, therefore, by him, let us continually offer sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And Ephesians 5, 2. And walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And then in Romans chapter 12, you might recall, we're encouraged, exhorted to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. So you and I, in a sense, being the temple of God, giving our praise to God, not only singing on Sunday morning or at home, but our life, our very life being pleasing to God. And as we imitate Christ and the love of Christ flows through us, Unto others and to the world, we offer sacrifices to God. That's a sweet-smelling aroma. Josiah made the decision to repair the damages. And again, this is a very key ingredient for a recipe for revival. Each and every one of us are capable of falling away from the Lord just a little bit to where we let cracks open up and the enemy is just waiting to come in. And it's so subtle, isn't it? It's, it's one little thing that can open up a gap or even a door for the enemy to come in and steal what God desires for us. It might be something you listen to. It might be something you watch on TV. It might be the way you talk to somebody. It could be uh, many, many different things. 
But if we're not careful and not repair the damages when, when the Lord shows us that it's time to repair them, then we, we can make it even worse. I was in contact with a brother recently that I've known for years, and um, he's fallen away and come back to the Lord many different times. And, uh, and now he's on the right track again and um, contacting me. It's just a, a joy. And he recognizes how much he's given over to the, to the enemy. The enemy is the one who's the thief, who wants to come and rob joy. And this fellow, my dear brother, he, he understands that his life has been turned over to this, these other things that Satan has robbed him and it's hindered his walk with God, but now he's repaired the damages. And, and this is true for anybody that has a desire to take back what the enemy has stolen. One of the first signs of revival in a person is when they design, desire to repair what needs repaired, no matter what it is. And if you're here this morning, if there's, if there's a crack that has been opened, go to the Lord. Have those gaps repaired that your focus might be back on the Lord. And even I was thinking this morning of, of you know, I can't help but to notice here the task, the unity that was at hand here and how Josiah, no doubt being led of the Lord, he brought all carpenters together, all workers of the Lord together to do it in unity. And that's what we're to be as the body of Christ for one another, that we might help one another. Ephesians 2.22 comes to mind. And the common goal to repair the damage. It says, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. As we are building up the house of God, that is, God using us to build up the house of God, we are to dwell together in unity, dwelling together, serving one another, ministering to one another, fervently loving one another, being there for when another's gap needs to be repaired. Verse 8 tells us, Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law and the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. So Shaphan the scribe sent, went to the king, bringing the king word saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord. So we understand the spiritual condition with Judah at this time, they were in bad shape. And how bad was it? Well, here we see how bad it was. The word of God lost in the temple. The word of God lost in the temple. This is one of the most essential ingredients of a recipe of revival. That is the Word of God. The Word of God. During, you know, this time, you've you got to ask the question, well, how, how did they lose the Word of God? It's the temple. There were priests. Uh, this is what they were to do. They were commanded by God to share the law. But yet they neglected God, and therefore they neglected His Word. It wasn't that it wasn't available, it was lost. And, you know, during the time of Manasseh and, and Amon, they, they went around trying to, to get rid of the Word of God, and that speaks of our day today, doesn't it? 
the enemy, this is nothing new for the word of God to be attacked. In fact, it's happened at least every since, ever since the Garden of Eden. It's the enemy coming against the word of God. But the word of God here, it's lost in the house of God, choked out by all the clutter upon it. I get a picture of the law being found in some, like, cellar. Oh, we found this. And it's all covered with dust, you know, the scroll and all. But how do we apply this to our lives? Well, it would be real easy to talk about because it is a sign of the end times, the apostate church, the apostasy, that the professing professors of faith will fall away from the faith, depart from the faith. And we certainly see that throughout Christendom where the word of God is it's being left. We've seen that done in Europe. We're seeing it done in the American church. And it's nothing new, but it's even growing and spreading even faster, the apostasy. It's easy to talk about that. I told myself, don't talk about that. And here I am talking about it because it's a burden to see the enemy use men who once were pillars of the faith in our, in our country. But what about you and me with the Word of God? I'm convinced we cannot have no spiritual renewal or, or even grow in the grace of God without a healthy intake of the Word of God. And I'm not talking about coming to church and hearing a church share the Word of God. You know, that's a Calvary Chapel distinctive. That's a Calvary Chapel Cincinnati distinctive that we simply teach the Word simply. But if this is all you're getting Sundays and Wednesday night, you're starving. And you cannot have a renewal without the Word of God. And it's so true of ministry leaders and pastors. I learned that a long time ago. If my intake is only staying for Sunday morning and Wednesday night and that counseling session and that discipleship meeting, if that's all the intake I have of the Word of God, I am lost somehow. You've got to have a, a devotion of the Word of God because we believe what the Word of God is. It's the Word of God, and He wants to share Himself with us. And if you're going through some kind of spiritual apathy, if, you, if you're experiencing a time of spiritual dryness or in a rut, maybe, maybe you've lost the Word of God. But don't be discouraged, because I want to read a scripture from one of God's greats, King David. I think there was a time or two or maybe even three and a whole bunch of other times that he said, Revive me, Lord, according to your word. Let's look at Psalm 119, verses 25 through 32. The word says, My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. What's David saying when he says, Revive me according to your word? He, he needs a renewal. He needs to be, have a... a God, to speak from his word, he needed to hear from God. It says, I have declared my ways and you answer me. Teach me your statues. Make me understand the way of your precepts. So shall I meditate on your wonderful works. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove from me the way of lying. And grant me your law graciously. 
I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. I cling to your testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Wow. Again, I encourage you, if you're lacking that devotion, time with the Lord and his word, go to him. Get your Bible out and ask him to speak to you. Ask him just like David. Revive me according to your word. A key and essential ingredient in the recipe of revival. Moving on then, in 2 Kings 22. Verse 11 says, Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. This is amazing. This is a, a key ingredient, ingredient of the recipe of revival that I call responding to the Holy Spirit. Responding to the Holy Spirit. And I got to tell you right off the bat, I had to confess this to the Lord this morning because I totally blew it. I knew what I was going to share here and I went against even what I knew I was going to share. Responding to the Holy Spirit. The words of the law hit Josiah like a ton of bricks here. He understands that there's judgment coming against God's people because they have neglected him. He understands that they're doomed. God's going to bring judgment just like he said he was going to bring. And to this I say, oh, the power of God's word. The word of God has great ability. That's why a devotional life in the word and studying the word, just simply reading the word, being in the word, because what we believe the word of God is, it's not just a textbook. It's not just something we, we learn religious things. Turn with me to Hebrews 4.12 or look on the screen. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and tents of the heart. When we open up the Word of God, because it's a living, living organism, a double-edged sword, we get the revelation of God to us. God reveals Himself. And at the same time, when we devotionally and read the Bible, we learn a lot about ourselves, don't we? <laughs> Hopefully we learn we need God. <laughs> but the Word of God has the power to transform us by renewing our mind. Isn't that an amazing thing? You remember back when you weren't saved, before you were in Christ, you had all these different worldviews in your mind. You didn't believe in any truth. All truth is whatever, right? But isn't it amazing when you come and make that profession to the Lord that all of a sudden you get God's lens, His perspective on the world, and our mind then begins to be renewed. And just so you know, we never get completely renewed, right? We're always gaining God's perspective from His Word. Not only does the Bible, the Word of God, have the ability to transform man, it also has the power to free man. 
John 8, 31 and 32 says, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's amazing what the truth of God can do to a person. Just living in our day, the truth isn't even believed in, right? Truth is out the window. Used to be all about tolerance. Now we're way past being tolerant. But truth, we understand truth to be Jesus Christ, the person and work of Jesus Christ. And when we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and we understand the Word of God, and we intake the Word of God, the Word of God has great ability to change us and to set us free. Set us free from what? Well, just think about your life before you came to Christ. What did He set you free from? Oh, it makes you shiver, doesn't it? Me anyway. He sets us free from all of the world's ways, all those worldviews, all those even religions that and New Age philosophies that we're striving to attain some kind of relationship or rightness with God. But only in Christianity, only in the biblical Jesus, can man be set free from his sin and all the ways of the, of the world. And so we see here Josiah, as he responds to the Holy Spirit, a key ingredient, to revival, the recipe of revival. Responding to the Holy Spirit. Josiah's first response is he, he reacts with humility. So you're probably just dying to know what did I have to confess to the Lord before I came up here. Well, I was talking to a gentleman this morning about the, the, the chaos in the world today and the lies that are coming from the world today. And I just said in my heart and out loud, just give me five minutes with those politicians. <laughs> I meant it. It comes from my heart. That's how wicked I am. But uh, I, I'm going against the scriptures of what I'm teaching. Because Josiah understands the wickedness of man and the judgment of God coming. He tore his clothes in humility. You see, his first response was to God. And brothers and sisters, the world needs us to respond to God in humility before casting any stones. I think of my loved ones who aren't following the Lord. Oh, I get so bound up and why? What did I do, Lord? They weren't taught this way and all these different things, but first and foremost, we need to respond in humility. And that's what Josiah did. The Bible says, God says, God gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud. And when we look and see the spiritual condition of our nation, of this world, and see the neglect of God, the world needs us to act in humility. Our first response needs to be in humility. And then we need to inquire of the Lord. Look at verse 12. Then the king commanded Hilkiah, the priest, Ahakim, the son of Shaphan, Akbor, the son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the scribe, and Asiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me, for the people, and for all Judah, 
concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to, to do according to all that is written concerning us. So Hilkiah the priest, Ahakim, Ekbor, Shaphan, and Asai went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. She dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they spoke with her. So Josiah, he hears the word, he responds to the word, and the next ingredient for our recipe for revival is responding to the word in action. I mean, Josiah could have just said, oh, Lord, just going to sit here and we're going to pray. But no, he sends a team to the prophetess. And the second quarter is referring to most likely like a, a place of learning or a college. Responding to the word in action. What's action? Well, here, inquiring of the Lord. For you and I, the application is prayer. There has never been a revival without prayer. So many great stories of praying. In fact, I just uh, a few weeks ago went back to, to St. Mary's uh, uh, to attend a funeral of a, another pastor there, 59 years old, loved Jesus, loved Jesus. And he and I had, we had our theological differences, but we had that common bond of Jesus, the gospel, and we both both earnestly prayed for revival. I remember several years ago, we began a uh, Tuesday morning prayer meeting, and uh, he was walking his dog. We had four or five of us there, and he was walking his dog, and uh, he wanted to know why the church lights were on in our church, and so he just came in with his dog, and for like three years, then that little group, we prayed for revival every Tuesday morning, and now he's experiencing the great revival. He's with Jesus. But so important for, for prayer. In fact, you and I and our spiritual renewal or our need for revival. And when I say this revival, obviously I don't know where everybody is with the Lord, but I know this, every one of us here need, needs to take a step closer to Jesus. <laughs> and here we see Josiah sends this team to the prophetess of Huldah. You know, one of the interesting things, when, when you and you probably ex experienced this and know this, that when the Lord really is working in your heart, or I should say when we're really obedient to the Lord and sensing God's Spirit, isn't it, doesn't that season of prayer take place? I mean, not just prayer, but the Lord just puts it on your heart to be praying for the nation and praying for the lost and praying for one another. And then you begin to see prayers answered, and then you acknowledge God, and it's just like, you know, God can do that every day. But it just seems like when he's stirring in our hearts of being renewed, our prayer life grows so much. So they go to the prophetess Huldah. Verse 15 says, Then she said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants, all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. But as for the king of Judah, 
who sent you to inquire of the Lord in this manner, you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse, and you tore your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place. So they brought back word to the king. Well, there's a lot there, but it's interesting. God working in such a way that we can say it was at least a mini-revival in Josiah and Judah. Interesting that even in the midst of God working, God speaks forth a word through Huldah to Josiah that judgment was coming. And brothers and sisters, you and I can relate to this in some fashion. Not entirely. I don't want to make a doctrine that isn't here. But it certainly reminds me that you and I knowing the scriptures, we know what's taking place in the future. I think we're in agreement that we, that we believe and we know that we know from the word of God or from the spirit of God that we're living in these last days, that time is so very short, that Jesus is coming. At any moment, Jesus is coming. Things have happened so fast, so rapidly. Things are so lined up that we can't be surprised. And maybe that's the whole meaning of this passage and why the Lord put it on my heart. We don't need to be surprised. We need to be ready, prepared to meet our Lord. I want revival because I want to, I want to be renewed and, and ready for His coming, not to build a church or a denomination or a name or any of those things. I want to be ready for Jesus. But interesting that judgment was being spoken. And yet the Lord shows Josiah because of his tender heart, because of his humility, that he was not going to see it. We had the same mindset in a sense that we understand judgment's coming, but we're in the here and now. God was using Josiah. The Holy Spirit was going to be upon him and was with him. That he was going to make changes. He was going to go forth in the power of the Lord. And he was going to uh, get worship back to where it needed to be in Judah, in the temple. And we, as you read uh, chapter 23, you'll see the many reforms. But we know that didn't last long. And for you and I, we don't have a long time but as we call out to the Lord to work in our hearts and we bow our hearts to God and have that personal revival that we might be those that put ourselves in our bedroom and draw a circle around ourselves and say, Lord, I need revived. If we have that mindset, God can use you and me just like he used Josiah, one person at a time. One person at a time. We think about judgment, we can't, we can't think about, you know, there not being judgment. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh 
of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And that's the promise you and I have from God in His Word. Another important ingredient is hearing God. Certainly, Josiah heard from the prophetess. But for you and I, do, when we get into the Word, do we hear the Lord? And I'm not necessarily talking about the audible voice of God. But what about that s- small, still voice of God? The Holy Spirit penetrating our hearts, sharing the truth of God's Word. It's so important, brothers and sisters, as we are living in these days, that we are hearing God. Because there's so much out there competing for our time, distracting us. Again, it's so easy for every one of us to lose the Word of God. But God is faithful. God is faithful. He's faithful to Josiah. And we have these different ingredients of a a recipe for revival, a heart for God. These are the questions we need to ask ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. Do you have a heart for God? Are you making the decision to repair the damages in your own life? Those things that maybe the enemy has put a hole in the wall. Or in the Word of God. Do you treasure the Word of God? Do you treasure it in your heart? I love January because you get to begin a new Bible reading plan. And I hope you are experiencing that as well. A renewed Look at God's word. Do you treasure it? And then do you, and are you responding to the Holy Spirit? Wow, we could really have a lot of sermons from that one. Responding to the Holy Spirit. Going to witness to that person that you see in the grocery store. Or calling that believer who needs a word, encouragement. Just those little things that sometimes we just neglect because we get busy. Be encouraged when the Spirit of God speaks. Just obey. And then responding to the word in action. Responding to the word in action. Be a doer of the word and not just hearer of the word. Share this quote. Revival doesn't start with us having everything in order, packaged up in a nice little religious package with a bow on it. Thank the Lord. No revival in our hearts begin without seeking God with all of our hearts. I pray, brothers and sisters, that's our desire, that we would seek God with all of our hearts, all of our mind, all of our strength, and all of our soul. And praise God when he does bring the renewal. And, you know, we can, again, experience that renewal every single morning, every single day. His mercies are new. And this morning, we get the blessed privilege of taking communion together. And what a passage to, to look at when we think about renewal. But I want to I read the first three verses of chapter 23 of Second Kings. It says, Now the king sent them to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and with them all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great, And he read in the hearing of all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. 
Then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord, to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in the book. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. I love those three verses there. You don't see Josiah saying, hey, I've got to sign this paper here to make sure that you heard the message, that you heard what God's doing. Sign it so you can be right with God. He doesn't do that. He simply reveals and shares the covenant of the book. And for you and I, we have one who made a new covenant with us. His name is Jesus. And he went to the cross to die for our sin. And he rose again on the third day. So we can rejoice in what Jesus Christ has done for us. Also rejoice in what he says in his word that he has in store for us. Amen? So thankful as we're focused on this world today and we want God to bring revival, we also do so with the blessed promise that we're going to be with him forever forever. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the joy of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, that you're a God of grace. And Lord, I pray for all of us, especially for those that are hearing your spirit say, you need renewed. Come to me. We thank you, Lord, for that invitation. I pray for the body of Calvary Chapel, Cincinnati, those that are present, those that aren't here, Lord, revive us. Revive us according to your word that we might be useful elements, instruments of the gospel of Jesus Christ to glorify you here on this earth, living and expecting for your return at any moment. May our lives be a sweet-smelling aroma to you, God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message or about following Christ, you can contact us at cccincinnati.org. Calvary Chapel, Cincinnati, simply teaching the Bible simply.